Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for week five of our pieces series, where we're going to be looking again at the book of Job. The book of Job provides comfort and encouragement to anyone experiencing a difficult circumstance. Have you ever felt broken, or have you ever wondered why things happened the way they did? Many of us have thoughts just like this. Job's story is often our story, yet even in the midst of pain and suffering, we can trust in the power of God. So just a few opening questions before we get started in Job 27 is, why do you think faithfulness to God is at risk during really hard times? Also, how does God measure our faithfulness? What are we judged upon? Maybe a third question could be, how can integrity and perseverance in our faith influence the lost world around us? And lastly, have you ever been tempted to walk away from your relationship with God? I know that uh, our talk is really going to investigate those four questions. So if you will, just go ahead and turn over to the book of Job, starting at chapter 27. And this is really Job talking in a discourse to all of his friends. Um, And he starts off uh, in verse 2, and he says this, As surely as God lives, who has denied me justice, those are strong words there by Job, the Almighty who has left my life bitter, As long as I have life within me, the breath of God in my nostrils, my lips will not say anything wicked, and my tongue will not utter lies. I will never admit that you were in the right, kind of talking to his friends right there, till I die, and I will not deny my integrity. Again, just like the rest of the book of Job, he is asserting his innocence. And get what he says in verse 6. I will maintain my innocence and never let go of it. My conscience will not reproach me as long as I live. And then he goes on talking again more about kind of this idea of innocence and justice and really talking about does God answer the cry of those that are oppressed. Um, But then he gets to verse 11 and he says, I will teach you about the power of God. The ways of the Almighty I will not conceal. That's kind of a cool line that we see in the middle of this talk with his three friends. And then he again goes on to talk more about really injustice and just things that he sees uh, and also the insults hurled on him by his friends um, that really kind of end in verse 23. Um, And I'll spare you of all that. You can read that for yourself again in Job 27. But this discourse really deals specifically with really two characteristics that every Christian should at least possess. And those things are integrity and faithfulness. Integrity is the quality of being honest or having a strong moral principle. It's uprightness. It's also being whole and undivided in our soul. Faithfulness is an interesting issue. It talks about loyalty and steadfastness. But it's when we we stay true to the facts or the original. And this is key to understanding Job's discourse in Job 27, because the main idea of this message is that suffering is not supposed to be used as an excuse to walk away from God and his plan. The key is to maintain your integrity, your innocence, even when you're up against adversity. And we're going to talk quite a bit about that. But the amazing book of Job offers no indication of plenty of things. It shares no time period or a geographical reason. All we know is that Job was wealthy, he was prominent, he was respected. He amassed a considerable fortune, 
and he showed great wisdom in his thoughts and also in his actions. The writer of Job also tells us that he was upright, he was blameless, blameless, and he feared God and he turned away from evil, which are all really, really great things. He took his fear of God and he applied it, even to his family. He regularly prayed on their behalf as a priest and a spiritual leader. And this is actually something that we should aspire to as well. Prayer has incredible potential to heal and change our families. It did for Job and it can for us. But is it true that we would be hard-pressed to imagine really a better leadership model? I mean, Job was the ultimate leader, it seems, in the book. He was a... He was like a respected and an ultimate entrepreneur. Uh, he was a great businessman. He devoted, uh, was devoted to God and his family. He was successful. He was well-respected amongst his friends. But then suddenly, without warning, disaster comes. And Job's initial response to this sweeping disaster gives us an ultimate and intimate look of a spiritual perspective and Job's faithfulness. The question I have to wonder is how many of us, when faced with trouble, would act like Job and fall down in immediate worship. And if I'm honest, I don't don't think many would. And maybe in some instances, I wouldn't either. But just think about the rest of the book. Job continues searching, and he seems to be consistent in his searching. And this is really because of his initial response to God and his suffering. But his complaints in the midst of his ongoing pain are addressed directly to God, but they're not really based in terms of complaining about his lot in his life. He painstakingly examines his conscience as he questions God about the stark injustice of all of his suffering. And although he passionately argues with God, Job never abandons his dedication to God, which this is key. It's admirable. And this is a great model for us to follow. There can be no doubt about Job's character and integrity in the face of the first two disasters that come to him. But unfortunately, the third disaster that falls on Job comes totally from something he can't control just like the two before that, and that is his friends. They offer shallow and simplistic descriptions of Job's suffering, and that drives Job to a place of frustration and even distraction. After three cycles of debates and discourses, God ends the discussion with a series of probing questions, and he prompts Job to acknowledge his presumption and response in humility and repentance. But Job's reputation for wisdom and statue were impeccable. Now get this, so much so that in fact, the three friends travel to him an unusual amount of distance just to be with Job just to be there with him during his disaster. But unfortunately, Job did not have the option of choosing who would come and comfort him during his crisis. His friends actually took that initiative. Job didn't invite them to come. But a wise person will learn from Job's experience and think about how destructive a group of negative friends can truly be during the worst of days. When you're under pressure, you need good counsel from wise and supportive friends. Any other style or counsel simply makes a bad problem even worse. And I want you to think about maybe the group of people that comfort you in your time. Are they helpful or are they a lot like Job's friends and lead you down places of frustration and distraction or places of of hopelessness? 
But now let's think through others that had extreme hardships to overcome as well in Scripture. I think about when the furnace in the book of Daniel was heated up seven times hotter than normal. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a decision to make, didn't they? Do they bow down to an image of Nebuchadnezzar, or do they perish? And of course, we know what they chose. When Moses and the people of Israel thought they would perish in the desert due to thirst, did they see that God would turn the bitter waters of Morah into life-giving oasis, or that they would simply just go to perish in the desert of Paran? When Joshua saw the heavily fortified city of Jericho, did he think it was Israel's final time, or did he see an opportunity to worship and praise and make literally the walls of the city crumble before the children of Israel? Jesus also helps us out here. He says this, he said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Those are actually the words of Paul there. But it's interesting that um, Jesus' spirit is actually made perfect in our weakness. And that's directly, again, from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. But the reality and the mystery of Scripture has to be that when I feel God is furthest away, He's truly closest to me. Do we know of anyone else who has the power to triumph over life's problems? Do we know another that loves us no matter what happens? Do we have another that when our spirits grow faint, that he gives us strength and gives it immeasurably? Only Jesus can do this. This is something I think Job learned in adversity. Could Job's pain have been taken away in an instant by God? Well, sure it could have. But Job saw something during his time of adversity. I think what he saw was the hand of God. He saw God's presence. He saw this presence behind the swords of the Sabaeans who attacked his servants and cattle and took away his wealth. He saw this behind the devastated lightning that burnt up his crops. He saw God's hand behind the desert winds that blew down the house that his children were in and they perished. He saw the hand of God in the dreadful silence of his broken family, especially his wife who asked him to curse God and die. Upon seeing God, all Job could say was this line. He said, The Lord gave everything I had to me, and the Lord has taken it away from me. May the name of the Lord be praised. You see, I think his faith grew in the wearing of sackcloth and ashes. Could you say, like Job said, even though he slays me, yet I will place my hope in him? This is incredible wisdom we see from Job. It was once said by a theologian that God does not give us everything we want, but he does fulfill his promises, leading us along the best and the straightest path to himself. And this was said by none other than Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I want you now to think of a story of someone you know who has walked away from God because of suffering. And whenever I think about this, I think of some friends of mine that Unfortunately, I actually resigned their ministry position uh, a few years ago and actually totally stepped away from God and are now living a pretty wild life. But it really was based out of this season of discouragement for them. Uh, it was this, this kind of crucible of suffering that they had to endure. 
And I'll never forget, they called me one day and they said, hey, we're thinking about getting out of the ministry. We just can't do it anymore. And I thought, well, what's going on? And they said, we are so tired of doing funerals. We have done over 30 funerals in a year and I just cannot take one more funeral. I can't get close to anybody. As soon as I do, they all die, but I just can't do any more funerals. I'm done. And they ended up leaving about a week later and now they are not involved in any ministry. Um, they literally are very anti-Christian and it's really based in this, in this idea of hurt and suffering and that if God truly loved me, he wouldn't have allowed me to go through this. And whenever I think about this, I think this is, this is the difficult thing for so many of us, just like Job, that, that Job, even though it didn't make sense, even though he couldn't rely upon what he saw, what he felt, what his friends were saying, what his family and what his wife said, Job chose to put his hope and his faith in God, even though he was on an emotional roller coaster and all over the place. Whenever I think about this, I, I really think about um, what could the very best version of Job have been? What is somebody that has intense suffering like Job, but yet prevailed all the way to the end? And of course, immediately we all think of Jesus Christ here, because he's the ultimate example of someone who maintained their their integrity really in spite of intense and wild suffering. Because the reality is he was murdered and he was blameless. He was innocent, like Job. But Jesus didn't keep asserting his innocence. He actually was silent. But it's really, he's a better version of Job. And I think about this because Jesus endured such suffering on the way to the cross. And actually, Scripture says it was the joy set before him, which is crazy to think about that. But it was the joy set before him. It was pleasing his Father. It was trusting even when it looked totally crazy because at the end of the day it's not his will it's his father's will and we hear that in all kinds of prayers that Jesus says when he's talking to father God but I think about this so much and think really what is the one thing that really Job held on to and I think it was this invitation that no matter what happens I'm choosing to trust God And really, I think that the entire book of Job is just an invitation to trust. And I really think as we're now kind of coming to an end of this series, this is a six-week series, we're in week five. While we don't get any answers in the book of Job about why God allowed Satan to uh, really unleash hell on earth on Job and all kinds of other things, We do see, though, a God who's present, a God who shows up. And what's wild is we also see a picture of God being fair with Job because we know that Job doesn't always have great moments. Sometimes he's going on this tirade against God. Sometimes he's accusing God of being totally unjust and the reason for all human suffering. And actually, he gives it the point that he tells his three friends, I'm done talking with you guys. God, show up and show me yourself. Explain yourself to me. And we know that God actually does that, as we're going to look at next week. He comes in a storm cloud and shows Job all these signs, including two wild beasts, the Leviathan and the Behemoth. But it's interesting that when we look at all this, God still is available to Job. He's still there. 
and he doesn't withhold his presence or himself because Job goes on this kind of vendetta against God and about all of his suffering. I think that's pretty incredible. And that should give us great encouragement that no matter what emotions we're feeling, no matter what we've said to God, no matter how our actions have been, that we can always come back, that we can always seek out that relationship, that he's always there waiting. Because the reality is we serve a God who makes impossible things possible, just like we talked about earlier. When a furnace was seven times hotter than normal, three men should have been burned up to a crisp, but they weren't. They honored God, they didn't bow down to the image of Nebuchadnezzar, and they didn't perish. In fact, there was four of them in the fire. Or we think about other examples like we talked about. When Moses and the people of Israel thought they were going to perish in the desert and die of thirst. Some of them even said it would be better if we just went back to Egypt. At least we would have died there and not out in the wilderness. But God did miracles with the bitter water and gave them life-giving water that literally was life in the middle of a desert. Or with Joshua. Or we can even think of David and all of his stuff with King Saul. We literally think of so many examples where things should have went so poorly, but they don't. God comes through. And I think of that in the Job story, and you almost think that's true too. You're like, there is no hope for Job. Things are looking so bad. And then what's wild is the end of the book, God actually restores everything to him. Not because Job deserves it, but because God gives him a gift. And so we have a lot to consider here, but kind of back to our four questions that we asked uh, before this started. And just kind of think of them in light of everything we said. Why do you think faithfulness to God is at risk during a trial? Is it because he feels far away? Do we make him feel like that? How does God measure our faithfulness? I think another question after that would be, does God base his relationship with us on our faithfulness? And I think you know the answer to that, and I would respond that, thank God he does not. Third question is, how can integrity and perseverance in our faith influence the lost world around us? Which we have incredible opportunities here. And lastly, have you ever been tempted to walk away, or are you even maybe right now thinking about walking away from your ministry, your relationship with God, due to intense suffering and hardship? If that's you, I would... I would just ask you to consider that in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of everything you're going through, cry out like Job did and say, Lord, you've given me some things. You've taken away some things, but blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm I'm sticking it out with you. I'm going to see what you're going to do. Because if you give him opportunities to prove himself in impossible situations, he comes through. God is faithful. His promises always come to pass. He doesn't break promises. And so I encourage you just to hold on. So be encouraged by that. Know that uh, if you have any prayer requests, feel free to share them in the comments section. Um, We would love to pray for your request. Again, thank you for joining us for week five of Pieces, the book of Job. And I hope that, like Job, even though our story is often full of broken pieces, that we can trust in the power of our Creator. Have a great day, and again, thank you so much for joining us for week five of Pieces. God bless.